care comes in all shapes and sizes, doesn't it? From a hot meal on a cold day to a warm hug that uh, you, when you have uh, a tough day, it just makes all the difference in the world. While not universal, most mothers would do anything to care for their children, to give them food, to keep them safe, and to protect them from harm. Elephants are amazing mums. Not only are they pregnant for two years, but they apparently change the milk that they give uh, up to four times during the, the, the period that they feed their calves for, depending on what their calves need. In addition, um, during the, the um, painful teething process for an elephant's calf, an elephant's mother will adapt the, the makeup of its milk to help soothe the baby. A mother elephant will change their diet to include plants that have anti-inflammatory properties to help the baby cope with teething. A female elephant herd will form a shield around their young to protect them from predators. And during times of drought, when animals, um, the animal's usual water supplies have dried up, the oldest female elephants can lead their herds for hundreds of kilometres to water they have visited years before because they remember their locations. Care and concern are at the heart of God's character. And as followers of Jesus, we are committed to living out care for others. And today we discover that there are a group of people that God is especially concerned for. Let me pray. Jesus, as we celebrate mothers and, and the care and the love that they just demonstrate and mother figures in our lives, we thank you that they reflect the fragments of, of in, in just some small way of who you are and the depth of love that you show for us. Holy Spirit, as we spend time in your word, would you brood over us? Would you minister to us? Would you encourage and challenge us? Would you speak to us deep to deep? In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. You know, the effects of self-centred living run long and they run deep. But from the stories of old and the creation of Adam and Eve, God has been concerned about the effects of people's behaviours and the vulnerabilities that sin reveals. So it should come as no surprise that God steps in with compassion when things go wrong. From making clothes for Adam and Eve to marking Cain to protect him from attack, the care and compassion of God is very present, very real and very there. The gap between the haves and the have-nots widens and with it the need for intervention increases. As, as self-centred behaviour grows, so does its impact on others. Those who are poor and marginalised in society face significant challenges in life. While not always the same people, there is a substantial overlap for those who are marginalised and for those who are poor. Those pushed to the fringe of society often find themselves voiceless, isolated, 
and disempowered. Widows, orphans, foreigners and the poor. The older people experience elder abuse or struggle to find support when a life partner dies after many decades of being together. Foster children receive support until they turn 18. Yet as many parents know, support for kids can last into their 20s and beyond when they're still living at home. So the gap between those existing within the foster system and those that have biological families around them, the gap widens. Foreigners fleeing as refugees wait years for acknowledgement of their plight. And while they wait, they're targeted for being different, for not looking like us. Those who are poor struggle to get by, to pay the bills and to keep any form of roof over their head. From ages past, God's heart has been especially concerned with the poor and with the marginalised. The Bible frequently speaks of those who are poor and marginalised. Proverbs describes some of the challenges that they face. They can be despised by family and friends alike. They can be blamed for the situation of life that they are faced with. After all, aren't they just a product of their own poor decisions? They can be isolated from support systems that are meant to help, pushed further and further to the fringe of society. When injustice happens or when they get behind or don't understand how to navigate the processes, they can at times find those who should be there to provide the support that they need uh, end up exploiting them further. Does that sound all too familiar? We experience it today. We see it today. Yet while the Bible talks about the issues, it also calls for followers of Yahweh God to be part of the solution. As a church family, we believe that Jesus calls us to be committed to caring for the poor and the marginalised. So how can we play our part in caring for the poor and marginalised? One of the challenges that we are faced with is to stand against the tide of self-centred marketing and consumer-driven economics to challenge the nonsense that suggests that the best form of welfare is a job. The statistics today clearly disprove such a heartless statement when we have such low levels of, in, uh, of unemployment but such high demands on social services and support. As a church family, we have the opportunity and dare I say we have an obligation to change and to seek to change systems, uh, to challenge and to seek to change systems and policies and processes and structures that bring about the marginalisation and the impoverishment of people. Proverbs 29 verse 7 puts it like this. <clears throat> the godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. Excuse me while I just get a drink. And then in Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9, we read, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. 
Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. We are coming up to a federal election in Australia in just under two weeks. And while we can vote the way we have always voted in the past, or we, we can use our vote to make things better, not just better for us, but to, to think about how we can make things better for others as well, to make others' lives better. The teacher in Proverbs calls us to do more by changing the systems and structures that bring about poverty and marginalisation. Our influence and our affluence should be used to speak up for those who cannot easily speak for themselves, who are way too easily dismissed and kept at a safe distance. Care for the rights of the poor and the marginalised when you vote this year. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. When you see injustice, do what you can in a way that honours God and shows people that you are a follower of Jesus. This is more than just doing a like on Facebook or posting a tweet. These verses speak of a tenacity, a willingness to be in it for the long haul. It's not just about writing a letter and then ticking a box and saying, oh, well, I've done my part. There is a more profound challenge by God in, this, in these verses. One, of the, uh, one that requires commitment from us to ensure justice as much as you are able. To see that justice is realised, to see that they get justice. This involves time. This involves energy. And it's not about taking on everything that we see, but to take on what we can in a sustainable way. Churches are not exempt from the need to change our systems and structures as well. When something doesn't work or disadvantages others, when it disadvantages the poor and the marginalised, then Acts chapter 6 verses 1 to 7 gives us an example of being prepared to change, to change what we do and how we do it so that we can continue to care for the poor and the marginalised. We also need to change in our understanding. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 58 brings a message from God about the inseparable relationship between worship and concern for the poor and the marginalised. So if we follow God's challenge, the first place to start when we want to see change in the world for the poor and the marginalised, is to change me, to change my understanding or my way of thinking. God calls us to change how we look at worship and live a life of worship. It's not about the way that we sing, the music that we play or how we pray. It's about how we treat others, not oppressing staff, not fighting and quarrelling. Isaiah goes on in verses 59, 6 and 7. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains of the blind. 
Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from the relatives who need your help. It's not that fasting and prayer and singing songs and supporting the work of the church is wrong. It is very right. But if it is done at the expense of these other things, if we see that we can treat the world around us any way that we like for the rest of the week and just think that coming along and playing church on a Sunday makes up for it, it doesn't. We need to live consistent lives. We need to live lives that are holistic. Jesus saw this inseparable link between the gospel in words and in action. To preach to someone who is poor or marginalised and then to walk away is inconsistent with the good news of Jesus. To feed someone without being prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have is inconsistent with the good news of Jesus. But nor is it a case that one is conditional upon providing the other. Jesus healed people without forcing them or telling them to be his followers. We are called to value both the good news in words and in actions and to look for God-given opportunities to do both. James calls for a change in our understanding of faith in action. Peterson's um, translation or Peterson's paraphrase of this, he words it like this in James chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere if this is, if this, let me start that again. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and said, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is an outrageous nonsense? I can hear, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good, you take care of the faith department, I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Works and faith, sorry, faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in glove. Changing our understanding also means changing our understanding of being open to seeking a better understanding, I should say, of what it means to be poor and marginalised as well. To be prepared to engage with others and to see their world through their eyes. To see the systems and the processes and the policies from their perspective and how it affects them. Because we are committed to caring for the poor and the marginalised, we are also called to change our habits as well. When we change our understanding, it also needs to be embedded in our daily habits, our daily behaviours. Zechariah chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 puts it like this. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Judge fairly 
and show mercy and kindness to one another. Do not oppress the widows, orphans, foreigners and the poor and do not scheme against each other. It's not just about what other people do and advocating for change out there, but it's also about what we do. How do you judge people? How does your upbringing, your experiences and your understanding of lifestyle habits um, that you have brought into your life, how does that affect how you judge others? How does what you have affect your understanding of others when they have not? How can you show mercy? Not giving to others um, that you, what you th- uh, think that they deserve. Um, so mercy and grace, the, the two f- sides of the coin. Mercy is not giving to others what they deserve. Grace is giving to others what they don't deserve. How can that be outworked in your life? Deuteronomy 15 speaks of having a habit of generosity. Not to be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards those in need. To share freely with those in need. Leviticus speaks beautifully of living intentionality. um, Living intentional lives that outwork this as a daily practice of looking out for the poor and the marginalised. God knows that we can easily become blind to those in need. Through prejudices... We can filter out those in need that we can almost have blinkers on in our eyes. We can walk past that home every day or that person or that family. We can see the news uh, and see the needs on the news and we just think it's all too big. But living intentionally and changing our habits to build capacity to care for the poor and the marginalised shows our commitment to caring for others, leaving room for others in our lives. It's at the heart of Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your great crop. Do not strip every last branch of grapes from the vines and do not pick the grapes that fall to the ground. Pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord, your God. As we look to help the poor and the marginalised, we discover that as we do this, we are honouring God. We are also fulfilling the call of Jesus to do to the least of these, as Leah read from earlier from Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. For many of us, we know that we have experienced the loving care of a mum in our life. And we see that God's heart is one of compassion and care for the poor and for the marginalised. And while one door closing and another door opening might reflect poorly on a cabinet maker, our hope is that our commitment as a church family, as we close off some of our outward-facing care works activities, for now, because of issues around sustainability, 
we remain committed as a church to do what we can, when we can, for the poor and the marginalised through good stewardship of our resources that God has blessed us with to help others to live life well. Let me pray. Jesus, we can see the news reports so regularly that talk about the impact of cost of living. We experience that when we do our grocery shopping. For some of us, we have a bit more resilience and a bit more of a buffer than what others do. Where the changes to uh, the price of, of food or the cost of living can mean that they just have to go without. When mothers will go without a meal so that they can feed their children. Lord, we see examples of care and compassion. Help us to be examples of your love, your care and compassion for others. We are mindful of the poor and the marginalised. And we ask that you would continue to help us to build in us the capacity, the tenacity, the passion, the resolve to continue to commit ourselves to caring for others, especially for those that are poor and marginalised because of the systems and the structures in this land that make it so hard for others. Lord, would you remind us of those times? Would you take the scales off our eyes, the filters that we put on to protect us, but then keep others at a distance? Would you do a work in us and through us for your glory in our worship of you, Jesus? Amen. So how might we respond today? When you consider being committed to caring for the poor and the marginalised, I invite you to write down a prayer around one of these three changes that you would like to see grow in your life today. Changing our systems. How might you vote or advocate your federal member on behalf of the poor and the marginalised? How might you support changes necessary in our church to sustainably care for the poor and the marginalised? Changing our understanding. Change our understanding of what worship looks like. It's not just the stuff on Sundays. There needs to be an integrated approach on what we do every other day of the week and that God's eyes are not blind to the poor and the marginalised and nor should ours. Changing our habits. Not just chasing more to fill up our lives with stuff, but leaving room. Making sure that there's a buffer for others. Having a generous heart to others in need. I encourage you to reflect on each of those statements and, and think about what God is laying on your heart about where you believe God's calling you to make change to write a prayer, and as you do, there's going to be some music played as you do business with God. God bless you.